All right, well, we're there in 2 Samuel 23. I'd like you to keep your place there in 2 Samuel. We're going to come back to this uh, text, but I'd like you to go with me just real quickly to 2 Corinthians. So keep your place in 2 Samuel and go to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians. And while you turn there, uh, we have been going through a series called Satisfied. And this is our third week and our final week in this series. And we've been learning about how to cultivate a culture of contentment. Maybe it's your first time here at Verity Baptist Church, or maybe you're watching online or even on TV. And if you've uh, missed the last couple of sermons, I want to encourage you to uh, go on our YouTube channel and catch up because we've been learning about this process of being content. And we began uh, a couple of weeks ago with a sermon called The Grass is Always Greener. And we learned about this uh, grass is always greener mentality and why it is and what we can do to fight against it. Last week, we talked about the green-eyed monster, the green-eyed monster of envy that will destroy our lives. And today, we are finishing this series with a sermon called Keeping Up With the Joneses. And if you're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'd like you to look at verse number 12, and I want you to notice how the Bible deals with this idea of keeping up with the Joneses. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says this, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. When we talk about this idea of keeping up with the Joneses, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about comparing ourselves among ourselves and measuring ourselves by ourselves. And I want to just talk to you just real quickly, just kind of by way of introduction, about this phrase. We've been using these idioms throughout this series uh, to talk about contentment. The grass is always greener. The green-eyed monster. Today, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, what does that mean? Keeping up with the Joneses. I'll read to you this um, from from uh, Wikipedia. Keeping up with the Joneses is an idiom in many parts of the English-speaking world referring to the comparison to one's neighbor as a benchmark for social class or the accumulation of material goods. To fail to keep up with the Joneses is perceived as demonstrating social, economic, or cultural uh, inferiority. And the idea is this, that we feel like we've got to keep up with somebody, whether it's our neighbors, but it doesn't have to necessarily be your neighbor. It may be your uh, brother-in-law or your sister-in-law or a co-worker or a fellow church member that we've got to keep up with them because if we don't keep up with them, then somehow that says something negative about ourselves. Let me read to you this uh, real quickly, kind of where this phrase came from. Uh, and nobody knows for sure. There's, there's uh, different uh, ideas of where it might have came from. But here's probably the, the most uh, realistic. The phrase may have come from a mansion owned by Elizabeth Jones. One source says that the phrase was inspired by a mansion that was built in the 1850s in New York as a summer getaway for New York City's socialite Elizabeth Shermerhorn Jones. The 7,690-square-foot home called the Wincliffe Castle was so elegant and over-the-top, it prompted neighbors to build even bigger houses in an effort to keep up with the Joneses. And this is the idea that we're talking about. We're talking about this idea of this, this need in human beings to have to keep up with someone else and how we measure our success by how well we're doing in comparison to others. And I don't have to tell you that. You know that. I mean, this is the reason that some of you are in as, as much debt as you're in, right? 
because you had to buy a new car because uh, your neighbor bought a new car or your coworker bought a new car or your uh, brother-in-law bought a new car. Some of you live in houses you can't afford because of this idea of keeping up with the Joneses. Some of you drive cars you can't afford. Some of you are wearing clothes right now that you really can't afford. And you say, well, how do you know I can't afford it? Well, if you paid for it on a credit card, you can't afford it. If you can't pay cash for it, you can't afford it. And, and, and this happens. You say, why does this happen? Because of this idea that we must keep up with the Joneses. We must keep up. We are constantly looking over the fence onto the grass that is always greener, and we measure our success by how we measure up with other people. Now, I want you to keep your place there in 2 Corinthians. We're going to come back to it. But go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. And you know, here's what I call this. I call this idea of keeping up with the Joneses. I call it the comparison game. The comparison game we all play where we compare ourselves to other people. And here's what I want you to understand as we begin the sermon this morning is that when you play the comparison game, there is no win in the comparison game. When you play, when you choose to play the game of comparing myself with other people, comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and measuring ourselves by ourselves, just realize you are choosing to play a game that you will never win, that you can never win. There are no winners in the comparison game. And I'm going to show that to you uh, from Scripture this morning. Now, we're in 2 Samuel 23, and this is passage is famously known as the passage of David's mighty men. And we learn about these great warriors that David had in his military. These would be like the special ops guys. These would be Guys, they're not just normal soldiers. They are uh, uh, just the, the best of the best. And David is telling us these stories about these men. And the primary application that we learn from this passage is about these men and what they actually did. But we see something in this uh, passage as we look at how David goes through the line of these mighty men. And we see that there is a social structure hinted in these mighty men. And I want you to notice it. You're there in 2 Samuel 23. Look at verse 8. Notice what it says. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat. I want you to notice. Notice what he says. Chief among the captains. This guy was not just a captain. He was the chief among the captains. He was the leader among leaders. And I want you to notice that this guy was better than. And here's what you need to understand. When we play the comparison game, there are basically three places that you can land on the comparison game. The first place is this, where you compare yourself with people that you are better than. Where you are a captain, but you are the chief among the captains, right? And in life, and just understand this, and some people don't like this or they don't like the reality of this, but here's what you need to understand, that in life, there are some people that you are better than, not as a human being, but that you are doing better than in whatever area that you choose to compare yourself in, whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, whether it's your career, whatever you might decide to compare yourself amongst yourselves when there are some people that you're going to be better than. You're going to be the chief among the captains. Notice verse 9. Notice what he says, and after him. And I want you to notice that phrasing there, after him, meaning the next in line, which was not as good as him. So there's a guy that's after him. He's pretty good, but he's not as good as the chief among the captains. Notice verse 11. And then we have after him. 
That's the third guy in line. And again, we're seeing that this, this man, the Tachmanite, that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, he's pretty good. He's really better than. He's got guys that he can look at and say, hey, we're all captains, but among captains, I'm the chief of the captains. And there are people that are good, but they come after him. They come after me. Why? And here's why. And here's what you need to understand. If you choose to play the comparison game in whatever area of life you choose to play that game in, you will always find somebody that you are doing better than. And you say, well, Pastor Jimenez, what's the problem with that? That sounds like a win. Here's why that's not a win. Because when we play the comparison game, our tendency is, when we find people that we're doing better than, our tendency is to grow arrogant, to grow pride-filled, to start thinking very highly of ourselves. And here's what I want you to understand. There's nothing wrong with being better than someone else. Please listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being a hard worker. The problem is, when you are such a hard worker, that now everyone else is lazy. See, there's nothing wrong with having a growing and a thriving business. The problem is, when now I've got a growing and a thriving business, so everyone who doesn't have as good of a business as I do must be a loser. See, there's nothing wrong with with, uh, uh, living in a nice house or driving a nice vehicle, but the problem lies in the comparison game that when sometimes when we see as a win the fact that my house is nicer than your house and my car is nicer than your car and my clothes are nicer than your clothes, the problem is not that we have these nicer things, is that we begin, pride and arrogancy begin to lift us up and we look down on disdain with those where we are better than. And here's all I'm telling you. In the comparison game, in the comparison game, when you find people, and look, you can all find people you're doing better than. When we find people that we are doing better than, the tendency is to grow arrogant. And, and look, this is where some of you live. Some of you, and I'm not, I'm not mad at you, I'm trying to help you out. Some of you live very critical and bitter and angry lives Because you've got this idea, well, I'm better than every other worker. I'm better than every other captain. I'm better than every other soul winner. I'm better than every other church member. I'm better than every other volunteer. I'm better than... And you live there, and you live there. And here's all I'm telling you. That's not a win. You don't win when you play a game with your life that ends up making you an arrogant jerk. You don't win. So there's no win. There's no win in the comparison game when you, there's no win in the comparison game when you are the better than. But some of you are saying, well, Pastor Jimenez, that's nice, but I'm not the better than. Well, let's get to you. There's another option. Notice verse 13. And the three of the 30 chief, you say, see, I don't have an arrogancy problem. I don't think I'm better than anybody. Notice what it says. And the three of the 30 chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And there's a whole story here. And the point is not to get into the story. I just want you to notice that now we started off by talking about a guy who was chief among the captains. There were other people, but the other people were after him. They were after him in verse 9. And they were after him in verse 11. But in verse 13, now we find equals. Three of the 30 chief. They were just three of the 30 chief. Notice verse 16. And the three mighty men, three of the 30. Notice verse 17, the last part of verse 17. These three mighty men. See, 
there's the first option when we choose to play the comparison game is that we find people that we're doing better than. The second option when we play the comparison game is that we find people that we're equal to. Well, I'm just one of the three, and I'm not the chief among the three. I'm just equal to these three. But here's the danger when we live our lives identifying people that we are equal to, either that we are equal to in social status and economic status and whatever status you want to find. The danger with finding people that we are equal to is that because, because we find people that we are the same with and we might feel maybe like we're not as special or we're not uh, uh, differentiated among the three, what happens is that we just kind of yoke up with the three, and this is where you get your cliques, right? This is where you get your gangs, right? This is where you get your little group of people who, well, I'm not better than you, but us three are different than you three. Us four are different than you four. And in my group, it's us four and no more, right? Right? And here's all I'm telling you. You say, well, I don't have an arrogancy problem. I just identify people that are like me. But the problem is that when you identify people that are like you, you end up only liking people that are like you. And when you like people, only like people who are like you, here's all I'm telling you. You don't win in the game. Because there is no winning in the comparison game. You say, well, Pastor Humanus, okay. I see that. But I'm not there either. Because I'm discouraged. <laughs> because I'm depressed. Because I'm defeated. Well, let's go to the third option. Here's the third option with the comparison game. And I'm just telling you about this game. We all play this game. You know it. You can find people that you're better than. You can find people that you're equal to. But here's the third option in the comparison game. If you choose to play the comparison game, you can find people you're better than. You can find people you're equal to. But you can also find people that you're worse than. You're doing worse than they are financially. You're doing worse than they are relationally. You're doing worse than they are economically. You're doing worse than they are in your health. You're doing worse than they are as far as your career. You're doing worse than they are in your area of life. Notice what it says in verse 18. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 18. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, notice what it says, was chief among the three. And he lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them and had the name among the three. Notice verse 19. Now, now look, in verse 18, this guy's doing well, right? He's chief among the three. And he had the name among the three. And this is what I want you to understand. This is the problem with the comparison game. Because you've got your little three, right? That you're trying to get ahead of because this is how you win the comparison game. We're all trying to get to the point where we're better than, right? We all want that err. I'm better, I'm thinner, I'm richer, I'm smarter, right? And you find these people that you're equal to, and all of a sudden you get ahead, verse 18, and Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zerai, was chief among the three, and he lifted up his spear against the three and slew them that had the name among the three. You say, what's the problem with that? Well, here's the problem with that, verse 19. Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore, he was their captain. Here's the problem with the comparison game. How be it? He attained not unto the first three. Here's what I want you to say. There was three that he was better than, but as soon as he got ahead of that, there was three others that he was not as good as. And the problem with the comparison game is that you can always find someone you're better than, you can always find someone you're equal to, but there will always be someone who's ahead of you. 
There will always be someone that you're worse than. And this leads to the discouraged, defeated life. Where you're, well, I just, I'm not doing as well as my brother-in-law or my sister-in-law or my brother or my sister or my neighbor or my best friend from high school. They all just seem to be getting ahead in life and I'm just not catching up and I'm not, and sure, I'm doing better than some people, but I'm not doing as good as these other people. And as soon as I got ahead from this pack, there was another pack in front of me. And here's all I'm telling you. I'm I'm just bringing this up to, to make this clear. When we choose to play the comparison game, there is no win. Look at verse 22. These things did Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among the three mighty men. He was most honorable than the, he was more honorable than the 30. Notice what it says, but he attained not to the first three. And here's all I'm telling you. When you choose to chase after the Joneses, just realize when you catch up to the Joneses, as soon as you catch up to the Joneses and you look up, there will be another Joneses in front of you. Verse 24. As the hell, the brother of Joab was one of the 30. Elhanah, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem. And here's all I'm telling you. When you play the comparison game, when you play the comparison game, there are no winners. You don't win. Because you're either better than, and you end up being an arrogant jerk. You're either equal to, and you end up being a jerk and a clique. Or you're less than, and you end up being a depressed jerk. And no matter where you land on the comparison game, you never win. Because there's always somebody better than you. There's always somebody equal to you. And there's always someone who you're doing better than. You say, okay, well, Pastor Emmanuel, well, how, how do we win? How do we win in the comparison game? Now, go, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'd like to show you a couple of things. All of that was introduction. Let me just say this. It is human nature to want to compare ourselves among, among ourselves and measure ourselves by ourselves. It is human nature to want to look at the uh, proverbial Joneses in our lives and want to try to keep up with the Joneses. But here's what you need to understand. There is no win in the comparison game. In fact, there's only one way to win the comparison game. You say, how do I win the comparison game? Here's how you win the comparison game. You don't play The only way to win the comparison game is to opt out of the game altogether. There are some games that there are no winners, so it's better just not to play. And what I'd like to do for the rest of our time together is to give you three practical steps to help you make sure you don't get sucked into the comparison game. Because it is human nature to want to play the comparison game. It is human nature to want to keep up with the Joneses. It is human nature to want to compare yourself and measure yourself by yourself. And we have to choose through the Spirit of God to opt out of the comparison game altogether because there are no winners in the comparison game. No matter where you lie, no matter where you land, whether you're better than, you're worse than, or you're equal to, no matter where you land in the comparison game, there are no winners. And the only people that win are those that choose to opt out. So let's talk for a few minutes about how to make sure we don't ever even play the comparison game. Because the only way to win is to not play. The only way to win is not, is not play. Now, I'd like you to write these statements down. There's a place on the back of your course of the week to write down some notes. I'd like you to write, I'm going to give you three practical steps. Whoa. That's the first time that's ever happened. There's three, I'm on. Yeah, anyway. Um, there's three practical steps to help you with this uh, comparison game. Are you there in 2 Corinthians 10? Step back too much. 
I want you to notice 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves with the number, or compare ourselves with some that, I want you to notice this word, commend themselves. You see that word commend there? If you don't mind writing in your Bible or underlining in your Bible, I'd like you to underline that word commend. The word commend, it comes from the same word as the word recommend. The word commend means to speak favorably, to give the highlights, to talk about the good things about a situation. But I want you to notice here, here the Apostle Paul is telling us that we ought not to compare ourselves with some that commend. Now look, there's nothing wrong with commending other people. There's nothing wrong with recommending other people. There's nothing wrong with uh, 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 lifting up other people. But he says you want to be careful about comparing yourself with some that commend themselves. You say, Pastor Jimenez, how do I opt out of the comparison game? Well, number one, you must quit listening to the braggers. You must quit listening to those who commend themselves. Now look, for some of you, what that's going to mean is you're going to have to cancel your Facebook. For some of you, what that means is you're going to have to get off of social media. Because the problem with the comparison game, the problem with the comparison game is that what sucks us into it is that you get on your little Facebook page, you get on your little Twitter page, you get on your little Tumblr page, you get on your little whatever page, and you're watching people tell you how wonderful their lives are. And they want to show you the highlights of all of their trips. They want to show you the highlights of all of their new toys. They want you to show you the highlights. And look, those people, I'm not, look, we love them. We pray for them. We're not mad at them. But you know what they're doing? They're playing the comparison game. And they're trying to show you how they're doing better than. My kids are smarter. Look at how well they're doing. My spouse is better. Look at how well they're doing. Look at the promotion we just got. Look at the house we just moved into. Look at the car we just bought. And they're just trying to play the comparison game. They don't realize that there's no win in the comparison game because they don't go to his church as good as your your church, right? The comparison game. They don't know any better, and they're trying to tell you, hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The Joneses have nothing on me. And here's all I'm telling you. If you want to make sure you don't get sucked in to the comparison game, you just have to quit listening to the braggers. And look, like we talked about last week, we must always celebrate the successes of others. We must always celebrate the successes of others. And let me tell you this, allow the successes of others to inspire you. But don't allow it to tempt you to imitate them. They can inspire you, but don't strive for imitation. Because you can look at somebody and say, wow, they're looking, they're, look, look, they're doing so great. Man, they started that diet and they're looking so good. Man, they, they started that business and it's going so well. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating that. And there's nothing wrong with allowing that to inspire you and to say, wow, they're doing so great. I would love to do something great like that. I would love to accomplish something great like that. I would like to be used of God in the same way that they're being used of God. But as soon as the inspiration turns into imitation, not just they're doing great and I'd love to be able to do something like that, but they're doing great and I've got to do what they're doing. I've got to live what they're living. I've got to drive what they're driving. 
I have to preach where they're preaching. I have to run what they're running. Look, as soon as you decide, I have to make what they're making. As soon as you allow other people's successes to turn from inspiration to imitation, you just got sucked into the comparison game. And here's the problem with the comparison game. There are no winners in the comparison game. You cannot win. The only way you win is to not play. So look, you must quit listening to the braggers. You must quit listening to the boasters. And that doesn't mean you're mean to them. That doesn't mean you're rude to them. That means when people come to you and they're telling you about how wonderful they're doing and how smart their kids are and how great their life is and how great their, their vacation was and look at this and look at that, you celebrate it, you root them on, you're happy for them, you let it inspire you, but you say, I'm, I'm not going to listen to the braggers and I'm not going to listen to the boasters. And I'm not going to let it bother me what I saw on Facebook I'm not going to let it bother me that they went on that vacation and I didn't. I'm not going to let it bother me that they got the promotion and I didn't. I'm not going to let it bother me that they moved into that new uh, neighborhood and I didn't. Because the only way to win the comparison game is to quit listening to the braggers. And that doesn't mean we're rude to them. That doesn't mean we're mean to them. We celebrate their successes and we allow them to inspire us, but we do not allow them to bring us to the point of imitation. So how do I opt out of the comparison game? Well, number one, you quit listening to the braggers. Number two, maybe you can write this down. You quit determining your success by how you compare. Notice 2 Corinthians 10, look at verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Notice what it says. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves. Here's what I want you to understand. It is often the case that we get sucked into the comparison game because of the fact that we determine our success by how we measure up. We determine how well we're doing in life by how well we are doing in comparison to someone else. And if you're going to opt out of the comparison game, you have to quit listening to the braggers, and you have to quit determining your success by how you measure up to other people. Now keep your place here in 2 Corinthians. Go to Matthew chapter 25. Let me show you this famous parable. In Matthew 25, we've got the famous parable of the talents. You know it. You've heard it. We could spend the whole sermon on the parable of the talents. We could spend a whole series on the parable of the talents. I'm not going to do that this morning. I want to just point out a couple of things for you. We're not going to dig deep into it. Um, there's a lot of great theological things, but I want you to just notice just a couple of things just on the surface of this parable. In Matthew 25 and verse 14, the Bible says this, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. The picture here is that the Lord Jesus Christ has servants, you and I. He has gone into a far country, heaven, and he's left us here on earth to be able to accomplish things for his glory. Look at verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents. Now a talent is money. The parable here is that he literally, physically gave them money, and they were supposed to do something with that money. Now notice what it says. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And people will say, well, that's not fair. But this is the reality of life. The reality of life is that there are some people who are ahead of you. There are some people who you are equal to. And there are some people that are behind you. 
There are some people in life who have five talents. There are some people in life who have two talents. And there are some people in life who have one talent. Notice what it says, last part of verse 15, to every man, don't miss this, according to his several ability. Well, that's not fair. Well, you know what? Life's not fair, then you die. Because the truth is this, that you have been given certain talents, certain resources, certain skills and abilities, and you've been given by God, and you've been given by God certain things according to your several abilities. And here's all I'm telling you. If God chose to give you five talents, God chose to give you the five talents because God has entrusted you with those talents. And you say, well, I'm only a two-talent guy. Well, then don't look at the five-talent guy because God has given you what he, what he knows that you can handle. And there is no win in the comparison game. There is no win in trying to be a five-talent guy when you're a two-talent guy. And there is no win in looking down at the one-talent guy when you're the two-talent guy. The Bible says that he gave them this according to their several ability. Verse 16. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received the one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he, notice, that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Now I want you to notice how the Lord responds. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou didst deliver unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, you didn't do as well as the other guy. Is that what it says? I want you to notice that in verse 21, the five-talent guy produces five more talents, and the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In verse 23, the two-talent guy produces two talents, and the Lord responds, well done, good and faithful servant. And here's what I'm trying to show you, is that they were given the same accommodation. They were given the same praise. They were given the same, the, the same affirmation. You say, why is that? Here's why it is. Because God does not measure your success based on how well you do in comparison to others. God, you say, well, how does God measure my success? God measures your success by how well you do with what he's given you. And God has entrusted you with certain things, and God may have entrusted other people with other things, and I don't have to find my success based on how well I'm doing in comparison with others. I don't have to find my success based on how well I measure up to others. I must find my success in how well I am doing with what God has given me. And this is why, and this is why, when you choose to play the comparison game, you lose. Because, look, I'm not going to be judged by how well somebody else did with the talents and the abilities and the resources that God gave them. I'm going to be judged by how well I did with the talents and the abilities and the resources and the opportunities that God gave me. Notice verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, 
I knew that thou, uh, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast that is thy. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my note with usury. And I just want you to notice, again, because something happens in verse 28 that you and I would look at and say, well, that's not fair. But please understand this. This is life. Verse 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which had ten talents. And the man with the one talent did not fail because he did not do as good as the guy with the ten talents. The man with the one talent failed because he did nothing with the talent that God had given him. And here's all I'm telling you. The Bible says this, unto whom much is given, much shall be required, and you will be judged by God. You will be judged by God. The way you win in the game of life is that you do as well as you can with what God has given you. But you will fail in that game when you play the comparison game. When you decide that you will succeed in life based on how well you do in comparison to and how you measure up with somebody else, then you will fail in life because God is not worried about how well you do measured up to someone else. God is worried about how well you do with the resources and the abilities and the talents and the opportunities and the resources that he's given you. And God isn't comparing you to anybody else. God just wants you to do the best with what you have. So go, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're talking about how, to, how do you win the comparison game. Here's how you win. You opt out. You choose not to play. But the whole world's playing. Millions of people on Facebook are playing. But you choose not to play. You choose to opt out. You say, but Pastor Jimenez, it's so, it, it, it's so tempting to play the comparison game. It's so tempting to look over at the neighbors, to look over at the Joneses, and to try to compare myself and measure myself and decide how well I am doing and how much worth I have in life based on how I measure up to them. You say, how do I not play? Well, number one, you just quit listening to the braggers. You celebrate their success, and you let it inspire you, but you don't imitate it. You quit determining your success by how you compare. And here's what you've got to ask yourself. You've got to ask yourself this question. Why do I do what I do really? Why? Why do you do? And look, I, I can't answer that question for you. And, and, and here's the truth. Only you and your heart of hearts can really answer that question. But sometimes you've got to, sometimes you've got to sit down and look. Sometimes as a pastor of a church, a man who does his job is to lead people spiritually. Sometimes I have to sit down and ask myself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Really? Because if we're doing it for God, if we're doing it because we feel that God has given us opportunity, He's given us resources, He has invested in us, and He expects us to accomplish something for Him, then praise the Lord! But if I'm doing it because the other church is doing it, the other preacher is doing it, because my success and my worth and my mind will be measured by how well I'm doing in comparison to others, then look, you've already lost. And it doesn't matter how well you do. It doesn't matter how much you succeed. You will not. You will not stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ and say, hey, you win because you did better then. You win because you do well with what God has given you. So let me give you the third, third thing you must do to opt out of the 
comparison game. We said, number one, you must quit listening to braggers. Number two, you must quit determining your success by how you measure up to others. Number three, you quit bragging on yourself and you choose to brag on God and what God is doing. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. But we will not boast of things without measure. Paul says, I, refer, I, I refuse to boast and brag about what God is doing. He says, we will not boast of things without measure. But according to the measure of the rule, which, and I want, don't miss this. You say, well, why did Paul refuse? I mean, Paul was accomplishing great things for God. Paul was doing some mighty things for the Lord. I mean, Paul single-handedly took the gospel to the Gentile world and brought the gospel to the Gentile world. I mean, he was probably, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, as far as evangelism and missions work and church planning, accomplished more for God in his life. And Paul said, but we will not boast. He said, we will not brag. We will not get on a high horse and start thinking that we're something great and we're something special based on what we're doing. You say, why, Paul? Here's why. He says, but according to the measure of the rule, which, don't miss it, God hath distributed to us. Know what he said? Here's what he said. He said, anything that I have, God gave it to me. Any success I have, any influence I have, anything that I have, it was given to me by God. So why would I boast and brag? Why would I take credit for what God is doing? Say, how do you opt out of the comparison game? Here's how you opt out. You quit listening to the braggers. You decide that your worth is not measured by how you measure up. And you refuse to boast in yourself and to boast in God. And look, some of you say, well, I don't, I'm, I don't boast. Okay, how about in your head? It's not just being a jerk with your mouth open. It, 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 it counts as boasting and bragging when you just look down and disdain on others in your own mind and heart and soul. And look, the truth is, only you can answer that. But the only way to win is to not play, and the only way to not play is to quit bragging on yourself and to brag on God. Go to John chapter 3. I just want to show you just where I'm going to show you two more uh, passages. I'm going to read one passage to you. We'll finish up. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, this, this little interaction with John the Baptist we're going to look at is one of my favorite kind of interactions in, in, in the Bible. I love it because it shows so much of human nature. Notice what the Bible says. And, and just please remember this. John, at this time, when we're, we're jumping into the story, John is the man. I mean, John, the Bible says all Judea came out to John. This guy is the rock star. This guy is the superstar. This guy is on fire. He's preaching in all Judea and all Jerusalem is coming out to hear him preach. And while he's doing that, while he's doing that, the Lord Jesus Christ shows up and John, the man, looks at Jesus and says, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He says, look, this is the guy I've been telling you about. This is the guy I've been preaching about. This is the guy that I was sent here to prepare the way for. John chapter 3, verse 26. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi. Now look, these, these people, they're coming to him with respect. They're, saying, they're calling him a respectful name. Rabbi, he, <laughs> and they're talking about Jesus. He that was with thee beyond Jordan 
to whom thou bearest witness. Behold. And, I, and look, I want you to notice, these people love John. They respect John. They, they, they call John rabbi while Jesus is devoted to a simple he. And they say, hey, rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, don't miss this, to whom thou bearest witness. Like, remember the guy that you launched? Remember the guy, all the eyes were on you, he was a nobody, nobody knew him, and when he showed up, the only reason people even noticed him is because you bear witness to him, to whom thou bearest witness, behold. Notice what they said to him. The same baptizeth, and don't miss this, all men come to him. <laughs> they, said, they said, John, remember how all men used to come to you? Well, now the guy that you launched, now he's baptizing. He's doing what you, you're, the, you're John the Baptist. You're the Baptist guy. I mean, you're the one that started this whole baptism thing. This is your, you, you were the first, uh, the first person to kind of coin this idea and get this going. Now he's baptizing and he's baptizing more than you. And here's all I'm telling you. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to get John to play the comparison game. They love him. They respect him. And they're trying to suck him in. To the comparison game. He's doing better than you are. He had more people on Sunday than you had. He had more baptism. He had more soul winners. He had better offerings. He's got more people. He's got more subscribers. The same baptizes and all men come to him. Notice how John responds. I love this. Verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. He said, John, someone is doing better than you. How do you feel about it? And he says, you know what? Anything I have was given to me by God. A, a man can receive nothing. A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. So just remember this. Before you start getting on your high horse about how well you're doing financially and how well you're doing in your home and how well you're doing with your car and how well you're doing physically and how well you're doing with your children and how your children are smarter than their children because you've got this nice curriculum and they've got this not-so-nice curriculum or you've got this nice house and they've got, they're still living in an apartment and you've got this nice business and they work for somebody and you're a hard worker and they're lazy. Look, before you start getting on your high horse about how well you're doing. You got to remember that a man can receive nothing. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Verse 30, don't miss it. He must increase, but I must decrease. And look, you win in the Christian life, you win in the Christian life. When you can live your life in a way where people say, man, you're doing so great, man, you're doing so wonderful, man, you're accomplishing so much, man, you're doing so much. And you can take that and say, you know what? Let me, let me brag on God for a little bit. God's been so good. A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. He must increase. But I must decrease. You're there in John. Go to Acts. Acts chapter 20. While you turn there, it's just one book over. Acts chapter 20. While you turn there, let me read to you out of 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the apostle Paul, the man who gave us the words... For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. 
but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You say, Paul, why would you tell us they are not wise? Here's why he would tell us they are not wise, because there is no win in the comparison game. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he's getting to the end of his life. And here's what he says. You don't have to turn there. I'll read this for you. You go to Acts 20 and verse 24. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished. Here's what he says. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Notice what Paul said. He said, But none of these things move me. Neither count out my life dear unto myself, so that I might, notice these words, finish my course. And then, I love this, with joy. It's not enough to just finish your course. It's to finish your course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. See, here's what you need to understand. I've talked to you this morning about the fact that there is a major problem with the comparison game, and the major problem with the comparison game is that there is no winners. But there's another major problem with the comparison game, which I think that you will understand this and you will grasp this, and it is this, that when you choose to play the comparison game, it is an exhausting game. Because what happens is that as soon as you catch up to the Joneses, you're running this course. The idea is, he says, I finished my course. He's using this analogy that we are in a race, that we are running uh, uh, the race that is set before us. And there is a course that God has given us. There is a, 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 a track that God has given us, and we're running the course. But as soon as we decide to turn the course into a race against others, the problem is this, that as soon as I make my life all about catching up to the guy in front of me, as soon as I catch up to that guy and I pull up in front front of him. As soon as I look up, there's another guy in front of me. And the problem with the comparison game is that it's exhausting. It's exhausting because you never win. It's exhausting because you're always trying to do more. The problem with the comparison game, please understand this, the problem with the comparison game is that you end up running in somebody else's lane. And trying to run somebody else's course. And trying to live somebody else's life. And it's exhausting. You say, how do you win the comparison? How do you win? Here's how you win. You opt out. And you decide that in my life, I will run the course that God has set for me. See, you win not when you say, I finished and I beat everyone else. You win when you can come to the end of your life like the Apostle Paul and say, I have finished my course with joy. I ran the race that God had for me. But when you choose to play the comparison game, here's what happens. You get into somebody else's lane. You start trying to keep up with somebody else. You start somebody running somebody else's race, you start trying to live somebody else's life, and it's exhausting. And it's worthless, because God will not judge you. God will not judge you by how well you do in comparison to others. God will judge you by how well you did with the resources, the opportunities, the ability, the talents that he gave you. So here's my advice for you. Run your course. Run your race. Get to the end of your life like the Apostle Paul and say, I have finished my course with joy. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for these great principles in Scripture, these documents that are thousands of years old. 
yet they read like they were written yesterday. The principles and the applications. And Lord, I just pray you'd help us to opt out of the comparison game. To realize that there are no winners in the comparison game. No matter where I land in this game, whether I'm better than, I'm equal to, or I'm worse than, I never win. The only way to win is to opt out and to run the race that is set before me. And Lord, if this sermon has helped nobody here and there's nobody here that has made any application, Lord, I pray that you would help me to run my course, to finish my race, and to not get into somebody else's lane. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray.